Bibles, you can open to Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 28, starting at verse 10 and going through verse 22. So Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22. If you're new here, my name is Silas. I'm the youth director here. So usually I'm hanging out with students and talking to students, but today I get to be with the non-youth. So I'm grateful for that and excited to be here, though. And if there's any students here, shout out to the students. Uh, I love them, and they're awesome. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had a dream. It was more of a nightmare, actually. Um, it was a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning, and I was here in church, sitting over there. And it was about five minutes until the service was about to start, and I found out that I was supposed to be preaching. And I'm sitting there scrambling, just, just figuring out what I'm going to do. And I wake up. It's like probably 2 a.m., and I'm like, I have like, a, I'm anxious. I feel anxious in the middle of the night. I had like a visible, a real reaction to this, this nightmare. But I go back to sleep, and then I wake up later in the morning, and I remember that I actually am preaching, not, not that Sunday, but in a couple weeks. Um, and actually, the passage that we're preaching on is a passage where Jacob has a dream, and he wakes up, and he has a visible, a, a real response to this dream, this pretty incredible dream. So if you remember, if you were here last week, if you don't remember, last week we talked about Jacob and Esau and Jacob stealing their father's blessing. And so now Jacob is on the run from Esau. He's going through the wilderness. His mom sends him away to his uncle in another land. And Jacob's on the run. And then he gets tired. He lays down in the wilderness. He falls asleep. And he has this dream. And this really incredible dream where God actually is there. And he has this encounter with God. And so that's where we are. Jacob is on the run. He lays down to fall asleep, and he has this dream. So let's read this together in Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his, from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you just for this opportunity to, to hear from you. We ask that you, you uh, would make us fully aware of your presence with us, of our need for you, 
of your love for us, of your power, of your grace, um, as we read this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I once transformed a regular parking garage, five-story parking garage, into a five-star restaurant. Okay, and you might be wondering right now, why would, why would I do that? How would I do that? Okay, well, it was, it was about a couple years ago when Cass and I first started dating. We were living in Arizona. We, we were going to school at Grand Canyon University. And it was probably a month into dating, and Valentine's Day was coming up. So, so I was like, oh, we need to do something special for Valentine's Day. I didn't want to just do the normal thing, go out to dinner, you know, and see a movie or something. So I was like, let's do something special, something unique, you know, something to remember this Valentine's Day by. So there was this parking garage where I parked my car, and I had this idea. What if I, what if I went and got some tables and got some decorations and just decorated this place? And uh, it doesn't sound very exciting, but trust me, it's cool. I have pictures I can show you later. So I go and I get, I get my car from the parking garage. I drive it to the main part of campus where there's some outdoor seating. I get a little table and some chairs. I put it in my trunk. I close the trunk, and then I drive off the Target. I get some decorations. I get a vase, some flowers, you know, a tablecloth, everything you need, maybe some string lights to make it really, really cute. And I drive back to the parking garage. I get to the, the top floor where the view is nice. You can see Phoenix. It's beautiful. I set up the table. Next to, the, next to the edge of the parking garage so that you can see the view. Set everything up and looks great. I'm really proud, okay? And, and then I'm like, okay, the sun's about to set. I need to go get Cass. So I'm going to surprise Cass. So I'm, I just tell her we're going to go out to dinner, maybe at like McDonald's or Olive Garden or something. And so the expectations are low. And I go and I get Cass and we're walking to the parking garage. And little, little does she know, you know, much to her surprise, she finds out that we are actually at dinner right there at the parking garage. So we sit down at our table, the sun's setting, it's beautiful, and then my friend drives up in the silver Camaro, the top's down, it's convertible, the wind's blowing, he gets out, he has shades on, and he gets out and he drops off food for us. It was like our personal, our personal waiter, he drops off this food. And so Cass and I, there, there Cass and I, were sitting there at this table, eating food, watching the sunset at, on top of this parking garage that has been transformed into this five-star restaurant. And, and if it was just me, right, if I wasn't dating Cass, I would have never done this. I wouldn't have just transformed this parking garage. Be like, oh, it's a good idea. Let's go eat at the top of this parking garage. It'll be a lot of fun. But because Cass was in my life, because she's present and her presence was in my life, it kind of transformed who I was as well. You know, I didn't just do the things that I used to do, but I, it changed how I lived. It transformed how I lived, right? I did things to make things special. Because Cass was present in my life, I wanted to do things to make things special. My, my life was transformed. And I think uh, sometimes, this is true for all of us, sometimes people or things in their presence in our lives can transform our lives. Right? If we think about just technology and phones, the presence of those in our lives have transformed our lives tremendously. Right? And I think actually this is what we can see here in this passage. Okay? Jacob, he's on, the he's on the run. He's alone. It's in the dark, in the wilderness. You know, there's nothing special or extraordinary about where he is. But because God is there, because he has this encounter with God, his life is transformed and the place is transformed. Because God is there, the place is transformed. And even more than that, Jacob's life is transformed. And the same is true for you and, and for me. Because God is present, our lives are transformed. And we're going to see in this passage today three different ways that our lives are transformed because of God's presence. The first time, you can follow along in your bulletin if you want on the back. The first way that God transforms our lives, the first way that God's presence transforms our lives, 
is God's presence transforms our condition. Okay, but first, let's take a look at, at the condition of Jacob's life right now. Right, Jacob, he's on the run. He's running away because he cheated his brother Esau out of their father's blessing. He lied to his father. He wanted this blessing for himself, right? And, and that's kind of a reflection of just Jacob's heart, of the condition of his heart. His heart is broken. He is broken. He is sinful. The condition of Jacob's heart is broken. And, and because of that, he has to go run away. His mom says, you need to run away. You need to get away from here or else your brother, because Esau wants to kill him. And so Jacob is running through the wilderness, and he's alone. He's in the dark. There, there's, he has no protection. Right? He, he's even sleeping on this pillow. He doesn't have, have anything nice to lay his head on. He's, he's sleeping on a rock as his pillow. That's what he's sleeping on. The condition of his heart is broken, and also the conditions of his journey, they, they are, they're not great. They're not great. I, I wouldn't want to be traveling under the conditions that Jacob is traveling under. But then Jacob lays down, right? He places his head on this rock, and he falls asleep, and he has this really amazing, incredible dream. If you look at verse 12, Jacob sees this ladder that's reaching from heaven to earth, and there are angels that are going up and down the ladder. And there isn't anything explicitly said in this passage about the purpose of these angels, but some commentators say that the angels that are descending the ladder are there to protect the the place that Jacob is at right now. So Jacob is sleeping in the wilderness, and the angels descending are there to protect Jacob. And then the angels that are ascending are there to protect the place that Jacob is going, because he's on this journey. So Some commentators make that, make that note, that these angels are actually a symbol of protection over Jacob, of where he is and where he's going. And this could be a reminder to Jacob, as he's sleeping there, of God's protection over him. As he's sleeping there and he has no protection, as he's vulnerable and alone, these angels ascending and descending could be a reminder of God's protection in the midst of his, his journey. But then we also see something else, okay? If that's, if that's not convincing, we also see in verse 15, God makes a promise to Jacob. This is what he says. This is what God says to Jacob. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. God says to Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Because God is present with Jacob, he is safe. He is kept. He is held. You know, the conditions of Jacob's journey are not great. He's vulnerable. That he's dangerous. It's dangerous, scary. But God's presence transforms this into something better. Jacob is safe. But how do we see this worked out in our own lives, right? A lot of the time, our, our lives don't feel very safe. The conditions of our lives don't feel very great. And when we, when we inwardly look at ourselves, we, we're often broken like Jacob too. The conditions of our heart are, are sinful and broken, right? We deal with scary and vulnerable situations all the time. You know, if you've ever lost a job, you know what it's like to have your life spinning. Like, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to provide for myself? Or if you're a student, just going to school can be scary, and dangerous, wondering what the other students are going to think of you. How am I going to survive here? Just going to school. Raising kids, going to work, and taking care of those who are close to you, who are hurting, while at the same time trying to take care of yourselves. All of these things can be reminders to us that our lives, the conditions of our lives, are not great. I feel that probably very many of us can say that it's easy to thrive and be healthy under the conditions of our lives. There's a, most of our lives are just us trying to survive, trying to get to the next place. You know, instead, we're often exhausted and just trying to get by, you know, to make it to the next place. A lot like Jacob, who's traveling through the wilderness, 
just trying to get by, trying to make it to the next place. But God, the same promise that God makes to Jacob, I think he makes to us as well. God says to us, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. You know, it's not that God changes Jacob's circumstances, right? It's not that God changes Jacob's circumstances. He doesn't say to Jacob, I'm with you and will make your path easy. But the way that God transforms Jacob's condition is by promising to keep him no matter what his circumstances are. You know, I think of Jesus and his disciples, right? Jesus' disciples, they were, they were normal people, right? They were fishermen, they were tax collectors, they had families, and they are also broken people like Jacob, like us. Right? I think of Peter denying Jesus. I think of the disciples not being able to comprehend or understand the parables or the teachings of Jesus. And I think of the disciples falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus urged them to stay awake with him, right? They, they, were, they, they weren't perfect people. But they also went through a lot of scary things on their journey. You know, their journey included scary storms and included violent and scary people. It even, it even included their, their Lord and teacher being crucified, right? Their journey, the condition of their journey and the conditions of their hearts were broken. They were not great. But the amazing thing is that Jesus never cast them out. He never left them. He never said, you're too broken for me. He never said, this, this storm is too much. I'm leaving. I'm out. But he kept them, and he held them as his own, even unto death. You know, your circumstances might not change, but Jesus is keeping you in his arms. Not even death can weaken his hold on you. So wherever you go, whether it's to school or to work or just at home as you're trying to parent and take care of your home and, and, your, and your world is spinning, wherever you go, Jesus, who has overcome death and darkness, he holds you in his arms. And so this is how God transforms our condition, okay? It's by not allowing our condition to weaken his hold on us. So God holds us despite our broken and vulnerable condition, but we can also see in this passage that God's presence also transforms our company. So let's take a look at Jacob's company. Who is Jacob with in this passage? He's with no one. He's alone, all by himself. He has, he has no one. And, and not only is he, is he presently alone, but he's also just lost his family, in a sense. Right? He has to run away from a brother who hates him. He just tricked his dad, and his dad probably doesn't have great feelings towards him. His mom, who loves him, has to send him away. He's, probably, he's cast out. He doesn't have a people or a family to belong to. So not only is he alone in the wilderness, but he's also alone, doesn't have a place or a people to belong to. He's estranged. He has no company at all. But then Jacob has this dream, and God talks to him. And the first thing that God says to him is in verse, verse 13, if you want to look there. This is what God says to him. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. These first words are probably a reminder to Jacob that he has a people and a place to belong to. Because the same promise that God makes to Abraham and, and God makes to Isaac, God is now making to Jacob. Reminding Jacob that you, are actually, you belong to these people. You belong to my people. Jacob, who, who has lost his family, who probably feels like he has no family or a place to belong to, is reminded that he belongs to God. But not only that, we see in verse 15, in verse 14, God goes on in verse 14, and he says that Jacob will have much family in the future, right? If you look in verse 14, 
He says, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, reminding Jacob that one day he will have a great family, a big family. He reminds Jacob that he, is, he, he has a place to belong to. But then we also see that in the midst of Jacob's despair of losing his family, God promises Jacob a whole new family. And in the midst of Jacob's loneliness, in verse 15, God tells Jacob this. He says, behold, I am with you. And then later on in verse 15, he says, I will not leave you. Behold, I am with you. I will not leave you. Jacob encounters the presence of God and his company is transformed. He goes from having no company. He goes from being alone to having God with him always and promises of a new family and a new a place to belong to, a people to belong to. Jacob goes from being alone to having God with him always. In college, I played on some intramural sports teams, and I, I played on an intramural basketball team one year, and I wasn't good at all. So a lot of my time was just spent on the bench, just watching my friends play. So I, I was sitting there one game, and my friend is dribbling up the court, and he goes up for a layup, okay? And in midair, a guy from the other team knocked him off balance, and he comes down, and he lands hard on his shoulder. So my friends kind of land there on the floor holding their shoulder. It hurts really bad. He comes out of the game. I got, I got some playing time then. Um, but after the game, he, his shoulder's starting to swell up, and it's hurting really bad. And so he wants to go to the emergency room. And me and my friends, he's like telling us he wants us to go to the emergency room with him, and we're all tired. We're sore from playing. Well, most of us are. And, and we're tired. We don't want to go. But my friend's like, I don't want to go to the emergency room alone. You know, I can't imagine... I can't imagine there being many, other pla- many places that people want to go alone. And the emergency room is definitely not a place that many people want to go alone. Okay? And so eventually, me and three of my other friends, we packed into this small Honda Civic, and we drive to the emergency room. And the wait is kind of long, so we're all just there waiting in the emergency room, being friends, laughing, um, and, and being, have, being good company. And then my friend gets called back, finally, to the doctor's office, and I got to go with him and just continue to talk and laugh and, and be friends with him. You know, there are probably a lot of places that we don't want to go alone. There's probably a lot of places that we don't want to go alone. And I'm not just talking about physical places like the emergency room. You know, but what about a conversation that you know that you need to have, that you know is going to be difficult, well, that you know that will be beneficial, but that is difficult and scary? You know, what about, what about taking the steps to confront something in your life or something from your past that has just been bugging you and eating away at you? You know, or maybe it's just trying to, take, take, to make some difficult decision in your life or some difficult decision at work that you have no idea what the right thing to do is but, and you need help, you need answers. Those are all places that I don't want to go alone, that I don't like going alone. I wish someone was there with me, guiding me, leading me, just being with me. And the amazing thing is, is that God is with us in those places. You are not alone. He is your company and he is really good company. He is really, really good company. When we realize that God's presence in our lives, when we realize God is present in our lives, we go from having no company, we go from being alone to having God with us always. And he will go with us. He will go with you to the places that no one else dares to go. He will go with you everywhere, even the wilderness and the dark. So we see that God transforms our condition, right? by holding us, despite what our condition is. God transforms our company by being with us always, and God transforms our cause or our purpose. God transforms our cause. 
So prior, let's, let's, we're going to go back a little bit to last week. Prior to this encounter with God here in Jacob's dream, there isn't much evidence that Jacob actually claims God is his own God. If, if you have a Bible with you, you can flip to chapter 27. If not, um, I'll read here. So in chapter 27, last week, Jacob and Esau, uh, Isaac, their father, Jacob and Esau are brothers, and Isaac wants to bless Esau. But Jacob wants the blessing for himself. So he tricks his brother, he tricks his dad, and makes this soup for his dad, and goes and he puts hair all on himself to make himself feel like his brother Esau, because his dad doesn't have great eyesight. And so Jacob comes up to Esau, and he's tricking him, and he brought the soup before Esau can come and make the soup for him. And Isaac says to Jacob this. Isaac says, Jacob, how did you, how did you make the soup so fast? How did you get this? Well, he says, Esau, how did you make the soup so fast? How did you get the soup so fast? And then this is how, this is how Jacob replies to Isaac. Okay, In verse 20 of chapter 27, Jacob replies to Isaac like this. The Lord, your God, granted me success. Jacob says, the Lord, your God, granted me success. It doesn't seem that Jacob claims Yahweh, claims the God of Israel as his own God, only as his father's God. He says, Isaac, your God helped me. Not my God, your God helped me. But then in chapter 28, we see a transformation happen in Jacob's life. If you look at verse 21 of chapter 28, Jacob proclaims, the Lord shall be my God. The Lord shall be my God. Jacob has adopted this new outlook on life. He, he's, he's obtained a new reason to live. You know, his new purpose or his new cause is defined by God and God's promises. And what are, let's take a look at what these promises are, though. In verse 14, God tells Jacob that he will have much offspring, right? And he says, and through these offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is a promise that God makes to Jacob. And then in verse 15, God tells Jacob that he will bring Jacob back to the land he had to leave. Jacob was forced to leave this place because his brother is out to kill him. And God says, I'm going to bring you back here. I'm going to bring you back here. Jacob's life goes from trying to selfishly obtain a blessing when he's tricking his father He goes from selfishly trying to obtain a blessing to outward worship of God. If you look in verse 17, after Jacob has this encounter with God, it says that he's afraid. He's afraid. He's awestruck because he has encountered God, because God is present there. He's afraid. And even if you look later in verse 22, when he says, it says, And this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob goes from trying to take something that's not his to giving to God. Jacob encounters God and everything gains a new cause, a new purpose, a better purpose. I think actually it's cool to even see how the stone, the stone that Jacob uses for a pillow, the purpose of the stone has changed. In the beginning, Jacob takes the stone and he uses it for a pillow. But then what does Jacob end up doing at the end? He takes the stone and he anoints it with oil and he, and he sets it there as a reminder of God's presence and of this moment in his life. And actually, if you look in verse 22 again, it says, this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. The purpose of the stone has changed, has been transformed from being a pillow to being God's house. Jacob encounters God and everything gains a new cause, a new purpose, and even a better purpose. There's this amazing series of books that I really love. It's a fiction, it's, it's a four book series of these fiction books 
really meant for, for kids, but I love them. Um, it's called the Wingfeather Saga, and it follows these three siblings named Janner, Tink, and Leewee. And they're just normal kids. They, they enjoy normal kid things. They live on this, in this little cottage on top of this cliff overlooking water. It's probably beautiful. And they, they like to play sports. They like to make fun of each other like siblings do. They like to hang out with friends. They're just normal kids. But they're forced to leave their home. They're forced to go on this journey because the, there are these bad guys who have taken over their town and are wreaking havoc on everyone. And so they're forced to leave and go on this journey. And so they go on this journey, and in the midst of their traveling, they slowly come to find out that they aren't just normal kids, but they are actually royalty. You know, they, they went, they, they're actually royalty. And their new purpose isn't just to go and do normal kid things, but their new purpose is to actually restore their kingdom that has been taken over by this evil ruler. You know, Janner, Tink, and Lily, they find a new and greater cause to live for. And so does Jacob when he encounters God. You know, his life isn't just about going to a new place to find a wife. When, Jacob, when Jacob's mom sends him away to go live with his uncle and be with his uncle, Jacob's mom says, go, go live with your uncle and find a wife in that place. That's Jacob's purpose when he leaves. That's, what, that's, what, that's all he has to do, is go and find a wife and find a family. But his purpose is changed when he encounters God. You know, his life isn't just about going to a new place to find a wife, but his purpose is so much more. You know, often, oftentimes I think that we forget about the great purpose that God has for us. He points it out here to Jacob, actually. He says, to bless all the families of the earth. This is Jacob's new purpose, to bless all the families of the earth. You know, I am often tempted to think that this life is about me and what I want, right? What makes me happy? Having a family, dogs, a house, using my money and resources to do things that make me happy. I'm often tempted to think that that is what my life is about. That's, that's what my cause is to live for, right? I want to have fun and go on adventures and explore. But this new cause that God gives to Jacob is outwardly focused. It's not inwardly focused, but it's outwardly focused. It's not about Jacob, but it's about God and all the families of the earth being blessed. I think that we will find a more fulfilling, a more meaningful, and an actually good life when we look outside of ourselves, when we actually look to God and we say, you are my God. I will move with you to bless all the families of the earth. God transforms our purpose from being small and inwardly focused, from being all about ourselves, to one that deeply and intimately cares about the people right in front of us. This new purpose doesn't ask, how can I bless myself or how can God bless me? But this new cause, this new purpose, it asks this, how can I move with you, God, to bless my family or to bless the students at school that I go to school with, to bless my coworkers? How can I move with you, God, to bless those who have hurt me? How can I, bless with, how can I move with you, God, to bless those who have betrayed me? God, how can I move with you to bless those who I don't see eye to eye with or, or, or who are so different from me? God's presence in our lives urges us to take on this new cause of moving with God and blessing all those around us, and most likely those who we tend to run from. So let's not miss the presence of God in our lives. 
because his presence will transform our daily lives. His presence will transform our lives today and tomorrow and the next day as we're living, as we're at home, as we're working, as we're at school. God's presence transforms our daily lives. And he actually proves this to us in Jesus. Our scripture reading before was from John chapter 1, and it was a passage where Jesus is calling two disciples, Philip and Nathaniel, and Jesus calls these disciples to be, calls these people to be his disciples. And Nathaniel is so surprised. He's like, Jesus, how did you know me? How did you know me? And Jesus says to him, I saw you sitting there earlier under a fig tree. And Nathaniel is just amazed. He's so amazed that Jesus knows who he is. He actually calls Jesus. He says, Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's how amazed he is. And Jesus responds and he says this. Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, just like Jacob has seen heaven opened, right? And the angels of God ascending and descending, just like Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending on him. But Jesus says the angels of God aren't going to descend and ascend on Jacob, but Jesus says, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's Jesus who actually is the presence of God with us right now. It's not Jacob. Jacob is dead, but Jesus is alive and he is present with us right now. He's living, he's transforming our condition. He's making all that is wrong right. Jesus is transforming our company, bringing us to have fellowship with God. You know, we were alone, but now we have fellowship And Jesus is transforming our purpose. We are not ordinary people doing ordinary people things. But Jesus has made us God's people who are special to him, who get to proclaim with our words and with our lives the goodness, power, and love of God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for being present with us. Would you, would you not let us miss your presence, even right now? Help us to be aware of you, because your presence transforms us. We go from, from being sinful, broken. We go from having lives uh, that, are, that are lonely and alone. We go from, from small and inward-focused purpose to things much greater with you. We thank you for Jesus and his presence with us. We thank you for your love and your power and your grace. For all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We now have an opportunity to celebrate the